Welcome to the Metaphysical Martini Show, where wit and wisdom come together to bridge the gap between the spirit realm and the physical world. With Ani Avedisian, the Mad Shaman, a production of CosmicReality.com. Hello, everyone. I'm Ani, Mad Shaman Avedisian. Welcome to Metaphysical Martini. Three part spirit, one part rational mind. Add two drops of optimism. Give it all a good hard shake and pour. Dress it with the olives of grace and empathy. Sit back, sip slowly, and contemplate the wonder of cosmic co-creation. And a hearty hello to everyone out there. Hello, hello, hello. Thanks for joining me for yet another round of cocktails on this week's Metaphysical Martini, the show that tries to sort out what's true, what's woo, and what gets flushed down the loo. In today's, Australia and New Zealand have become prison camps. People's brains have gone soft and damp. The whole planet is under a dark black magic spell. And the whole thing stinks, yet people have lost their sense of smell. How ashamed can you be of your fellow man when everything worth living for has been tossed in the can? Ridiculous, bilious, maleficent, broken little world. As always, we try to do this with as much grace and empathy as can be mustered on any given day. And we are not always successful, I'll admit to that, and it does get more and more difficult day by day, but we are honor bound to give it a shot. And on this show, the Metaphysical Martini Show, we do love shots. Yes, we do. And to prove just how much we love it, I will take a sip of today's luxurious libation. Mm. Oh, quite lovely. I'm very pleased with that. If you're joining us for the first time, a very warm welcome to you. Be advised, we don't do politically correct on this show because we do not wish to erode our intellect. And we think CRT, or SEL, as it is now rebranded, is a crop of feces designed to divide a society that was doing quite well, albeit at a slower-than-desired pace, in the evolution process. So well, in fact, that the New World Order, globalist, totalitarian, Lucifer-worshipping scumbags, felt their hold over our minds slipping away. And that's why they created an almighty hoax whose name rhymes with the Roman poet Ovid. After which, they created a solution to Ovid, whose name rhymes with Francine. And Francine is a vicious female dog. She has one purpose, to kill as many people as possible. Darlings, if you believe in the almighty state and think that your government wants only to protect you, this show is not for you. We don't sugarcoat anything on Metaphysical Martini, as clearly sugarcoating is a waste of sugar. If you don't have the courage to see things as they truly are, if you are frozen in fear and worship only your next paycheck, if you are someone who will submit to all manner of abuse and humiliation for the privilege of simply going about your daily business, martini heads are not your tribe, so move along, find a nice safe little podcast about kittens or mittens or how to quilt a cover for your spare toilet paper rolls. Because here, my darlings at Martini Central, we are at war with the dark forces, dun, 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 for the preservation of our sovereignty, dun, 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 dun. Here we value common sense, common decency, common courtesy, critical thinking skills. What happened to those? And we believe, nay, we know that America has a sacred purpose because we are actual real-life shamans. And that sacred purpose is for America to unite the world by becoming a beacon of secular spirituality. 
waving the banner of libertarian loveliness and destroying the machinery of deep state for once and for all. And to that I say, hurrah, hurrah, this is my will, so mote it be. Why am I using strange language? Well, today is October 27, 2021, and since we are so close to All Hallows' Eve, it is only fitting that the theme for today's show is wonderful witchery and scintillating sorcery. And let's start the show, as we always do, with quack, which has nothing to do with ducks. Questions, answers, and comments. Of course, ducks, I'm not prejudiced against you. If you want to send in your questions, answers, and comments, do so. But we started this show for quack, because we want to find out what undiscovered gems rattle around in the inner corridors of your magnificent minds. Darlings, if you have questions for us, send them to us. Otherwise, how would we know? Email is arnie at arnieavidician.com or you can snail mail to Cosmic Arnie, P.O. Box 714, Wilsonville, Oregon, 97070, USA. Please let us know if and how you wish to be identified or you will be referred to as omit personal details. So let's shake up the fishbowl of perpetual perplexity and see what pops out. Shaky, shaky. Our first question is from Denise in AK. Um, is that Arkansas? I should know after 32 years in the States. Um, who says, dear Arnie, was there ever such a thing as a witch? Or is it a title made up by the church to discredit local healers and increase the power of the feudal lords? Oh, Denise, um, in my humble opinion, there really isn't any such thing as a witch. But since antiquity, we've had wise women, wise men, shamans, medicine men, medicine women, elders of tribes. As our numbers grew population wide, you know, in the world, as villages became towns and power was consolidated by kings, queens, feudal lords, some of these wise people were removed from their villages, reclassified as alchemists. You know, a person who transforms or creates something through a seemingly magical process. Um, but then again, we remind ourselves that uh, smelting metal was once regarded as a magical process, a supernatural process. But today we call it metallurgy. Anyway, getting back to the question, as is always the case, the most adept of the wise ones were coerced into serving the state of the day. And this is an important point, because once you understand this, you will understand that the persecution and execution of so-called witches served only one purpose, to destroy local knowledge, to destroy the bonds of close-knit communities, to destroy the independence of the individual, and the strong tribal spirit of the community. By doing this, the state of the day destroyed local traditions, taking away their power to influence the common folk. And local laws, um, we could use the Brehan laws of Ireland, which emphasized arbitration and meaningful compensation over judgment and punishment, and therefore serve the expansion of consciousness and the betterment of mankind, that type of law was replaced by the king's common law, which is very much a system of judgment and punishment, and F off you dirty peasants, because the king is always right. So when we're told that witchcraft was abolished, that's a lie. Local power, local wisdom independence of the individual, of the local communities. That is what was abolished. The power that comes from knowing how to use the resources of your immediate environment um, to your community's advantage, that's what was abolished. Those who did not need what the king offered and therefore did not wish to pay taxes to him. That's the issue. That's what was under attack. <clears throat> Just as it is today, self-sufficiency, that's what was under attack and, in essence, criminalized. There never was an official religion or cult named witchcraft. 
wise people got together, compared notes, made medicine, healed the sick, healed the animals, soothed the mentally ill, you know, removed parasites from both humans and livestock. That was a big thing back in the day. Worked with farmers on ways to feed the soil and work within nature's rhythms. That's, you know, that's a coven. That's all it is. Simply a close-knit group of associates. So that's my take on it, Denise, from um, AK. And thank you very much for your letter. Let's take another question. We have lots of questions, lots of questions. I'm very happy, delighted that people, you know, write in because otherwise we wouldn't really have a show, would we? Okay, let's take another question. And this is from Mitch, who is originally from Walker, Louisiana. Uh, no idea where you are now. Uh, anyway, Mitch asks, dear mad person Arnie, here in Louisiana, we practice our own type of magic most of which was brought over by Africans and then dusted by Catholics. <laughs> anyway, some 300 years on, the rituals are a mix of various cultures and probably several edits by folks who thought they knew better. In your opinion, does the merging of these traditions detract from the potency of the magic in any way? Well, what a lovely question. Thank you, Mitch. <clears throat> Let me give this some thought. Let me have a little sip of my libation. <clears throat> lovely. I think potency is the result of honorable intention and the respectful execution of rituals. So, no, I don't think it takes anything away from it. And it may, in fact, enhance it in some cases. Rituals, they will change as our world changes. But I will say that once you decide on what you believe is the correct way to perform a ritual, and once you've performed it that way several times to your satisfaction, and it feels good and right, then you should be consistent with it. Interesting you should write this week. Well, I mean, I know it's Halloween week, but I recently picked up uh, a book by Monique Joyner Sedlak, uh, and it's called Voodoo of Louisiana. Uh, I picked this up in a secondhand bookstore. Um, I haven't had a chance to read it yet, but I'm looking forward to it. You know, thanks to the gross misrepresentation in movies of voodoo, many people still think it's all about sticking pins in dolls and creating zombies. Um, not that that doesn't happen, but it's probably zero 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 point zero zero percent of all of the voodoo. Um, interesting mix of cultures, voodoo. Uh, I really do enjoy studying comparative religion, and voodoo certainly is one of the more colorful ones. And of course, the zombie is one of my favorite cocktails. Okay, let's move along. Um, thank you, thank you, Mitch, for that question. Let's take another question from somebody who goes by the name of Snuffy. OK, that might be your real name. But on the other hand, who cares? Hello, Snuffy. And thank you for writing in. I um, hmm, what are you saying here? Oh, yeah. Snuffy wants to know if it is ethical for modern day witches to perform binding spells. Ooh, Binding spells. Snuffy thinks it's an invasion of free will and should be discouraged. Well, Snuffy, let's, um, hmm, okay, here's my take on binding spells. You have to review each one and make your decision on a spell-by-spell -spell basis. There are many ways to use a binding spell. You could bind an object to you so you don't keep losing it. And that's very useful once you reach a certain age. I bound my keys to me a few months ago, and I must say I have not lost them since. You can bind yourself to a location for various reasons, you know, a job. Um, you can bind anything to anyone and anyone to anything. But always check your motivation and the purity of intention. 
Snuffy, I think you're referring to spells used to bind people from harmful behavior. And that's where the ethics and the free will comes in. If someone is engaging in behavior that is destroying their health, let's say, and it may potentially result in death. Do we have the right to step in and take steps to prevent that behavior with a spell? And why would we need a spell? If we care about that person enough to consider spell casting, which is essentially another form of prayer, I think we would have already conversed with them about the destructive behavior and taken as many practical steps as we could to to guide them. And I think that is the correct order of things. Let's talk it out first and see how far we get. If someone wants to commit so slow suicide, you know, an adult person who is generally considered to be in their right mind most of the time, surely it is their right to do so. And we have to ask ourselves, how far are we supposed to go before we step back and say, "Okay, God, I did what I could. I let go now and it's all yours. So if you've exhausted all possibilities and your intention is pure, you could go ahead and cast a binding spell. Because guess what? If that person has decided that he or she does not want help and wants to suffer, crash and die, there is nothing anyone can do to prevent it because this is a free will universe and not even a brilliant binding spell cast by an experienced practitioner using all the bells and whistles available to them will sway the person <clears throat> from that destructive behavior. Now, let me just take a quick moment for those who have no idea what we're talking about. Let me give you an example of a binding spell used to stop destructive behavior in its tracks. So um, here's a common binding spell. Let me have a little drink. I'm a little dry. <coughs> Excuse me. Mm. Okay, let's do something fairly tame, but dangerous. Let's assume that it's for a life-threatening sugar addiction, which I think is by far the most common addiction in America. So we have the option to bind or to freeze the action. Seeing our friends slowly kill themselves by ingesting sugar donuts, um, mm, you know, it, it, it's painful. Um, but what we would do is we would take a piece of good quality paper. When you're doing spell work, your book, you know, your wicker books, etc. They're always going to ask for parchment. Just use good quality paper, and then either draw or cut out a picture of a donut on it, or whatever is their, you know, um, preferred method of slow suicide, and write on the paper. So let's assume this person's name is Mary Granger. You would write something along the lines of Mary Granger, your actions pose great danger. This sugary treat has swollen your feet. If not addressed, your heart may no longer beat. I see you sound and holy and whole and nibbling instead on a small, low calorie, gluten free roll with love and with the Lord's stout heart and the lady's benediction. I bind you from this action and declare you have overcome your addiction. So mote it be, you are free. Then I would take the paper with a little donut picture inside it. I would fold it over and I would bind it with a ribbon and you choose the color. But if Mary likes pink icing on her donuts, then I would choose a pink ribbon. So I would bind that paper with the pink ribbon and then I, if I'm going to do something, I'm going to do it properly, right? So I'll take a Ziploc bag. I'll fill it with water. I'll put the binded note inside, the bound note, pardonnez-moi, inside the water-filled Ziploc bag, close it up and freeze it. And now every time Mary sees a donut, she will freeze in her tracks and be bound from going forward and eating it. 
So that's lovely. And you don't have to write a whole long thing either, by the way. You could write something simple like, with this cord, I now will bind, stop this behavior and change your mind. This harmful behavior that you display will now forever go away. Spell casting, um, a big part of it is writing your own spells. And that's useful because it helps you to check your motivation. So that's wonderful. And on binding spells, you always have the option of putting a timestamp on it. So I can add, you know, for Mary Granger with the donut addiction, I could add for 12 months. This spell will hold over you. Donuts have no hold, you know, something like that. Um, and that way, if you forget it in your freezer, Mary's still OK. You know, 12 months the spell no longer works. And if she hasn't lost weight and hasn't died of diabetes in 12 months, well, I suppose we're, we're doing well. If you want to unbind a spell, just take it out, defrost it, and literally unbind it. And I would hold the original paper in my hand, what's left of it, and say something like, by the Lord's favor and the lady's grace, I unbind Mary and remove my intention from her sacred space. Then I would dispose of the paper by burning it, or if it's been frozen, uh, it's probably mushy. So I would do something very unceremonious in a very ceremonious way by uh, putting it down the waste disposal <laughs> and grinding it to pulp so it doesn't, you know, exist anymore. So binding spells, ethics, individual basis. OK, that's what you've got to do. All right. We never want to interfere with free will. But we want to do the best for everyone. And we do that by saying whatever is their highest good. We don't know if their sole contract is to crash and die. We have no idea. Thank you for that question. Let's take another one. And this is from Amy, who lives in Salem, Oregon. Oh, just down the road from me. Hello, Amy. Amy says, Arnie, my husband refused to get the demon shot. Good for him. He was asked to resign. He refused and was promptly fired. We have enough to get by for three months. After that, it will be a struggle. Do you have a favorite money attraction spell you can share with us? Yes, I do. <laughs> Many are in the same situation, and I honor your husband for living according to his principles. A simple money attraction spell coming right up. Let me have a think. Mm. Mm. First, may I suggest you chart the following for a few minutes daily, you and your husband. Every day, in every way, my life gets better and better and better. This affirmation sets the scene for general prosperity, and it tells the universe that you are expecting good things to come along, and it puts you in the prosperity groove. Here's a common but very good little spell for money attraction. You will need the following items. A green candle and a candle holder. An essential oil for prosperity. Um, you can choose between frankincense, ginger, cinnamon or wild orange. Uh, they're my chosen ones. You'll need a green or a gold cloth for your altar. If you have an altar, if you don't, just use your coffee table, darling, don't worry. And you'll need six coins. It doesn't matter what the coins are, but they should be clean. OK. What you do, then you take the candle and you dress it with the oil, which means that you lightly rub the candle with the oil. Then you put it in the candle holder and you put the candle that's in the candle holder on the cloth. You surround it with the six clean, shiny coins. Then you light the candle. And you cast the spell for abundance in your own words. But I'll give you some guidance. One of the common ones is money grows, money flows. I do perfect work for perfect pay. Everything I need and more, Lord and Lady, deliver to my door. This is my will, so mote it be. Again, I have to say, writing your own spells in your own words for yourself or for others, it forces you to examine your motivation. I think that makes you a better version of yourself and it can be a healing experience. 
And the other thing, the other part of this, Amy, of course, has really nothing to do with witchcraft. Um, when you are affirming prosperity, act as if it's already there. As uh, you know, Emmanuel had said, if you pray unto my father for a thing, act as though you already have been given it. That's the vibration that brings it in. You've got to be in the prosperity groove so that you're aligned with prosperity, not looking for it. Thank you for that. And here's an email from a chap. I'm pretty sure you're a chap because you've written to me before. And this is from the High Mage of Madison, Wisconsin. And um, so if you're from Madison, Wisconsin, and you're a male witch, you probably identify as a wizard. And that makes you a cheese wizard. <laughs> oh, I thought that was funny. I'm sorry if you all thought that was not. Okay, High Mage. You would like to know if black magic is still practiced here on Earth today. Well, High Mage, look around you. Do you see any evidence of dark magic spell casting? Perhaps some sort of mass illusion declaration by the dark establishment that a certain contagion lurks behind every corner waiting to kill us all. Do you see any evidence of sinister mind control of the masses generated by fear? People flipping out, losing control of their faculties, minds becoming enfeebled, people's God-given sense of rational thinking thrown out the window, people perhaps being locked inside their homes, fired from their jobs, their movement restricted and access to food restricted unless they submit to the one prick to trick them all? What do you think, oh cheese whiz high mage of Madison? Not convinced yet? How about people glorifying criminals while discrediting law-abiding, morally balanced free thinkers? How about citizens and registered aliens being locked down while borders are opened and every criminal, pervert, pedo, human trafficker, drug trafficker on the planet is allowed in without any investigation into medical history, let alone criminal history. And this is not new. This spell was cast long ago. Does anyone remember over a decade ago the Bill Gates of hell, who, according to my sources, is no longer with us, um, but anyway, when he was with us, he floated the idea on a public forum that vaccination would significantly reduce the population. Now, mm, the correct response to such a statement, in my never humble opinion, is, what? Aren't vaccines supposed to save lives? Why would we use them to destroy lives? Unless, of course, they are not vaccines, but something else. But no, only a handful of peeps said that. You see, the spell was cast. The illusion, the veil, which in this case was thicker than an army surplus banquet, was put in place. Hello, everyone. Pink is blue and white is black. Fruits are vegetables. Evil is goodness. Goodness is unlawful. Parents have no rights over their children. Children belong to the state. You can be a woman if you have a penis. Screw biology. We have a new science now called science of the damned. And while your children need a signed slip from a guardian to go on a school field trip, but they don't need one for an injection designed to sterilize or kill them. And they don't need your permission to have gender reassignment surgery. And of course, it is acceptable to teach them about sexual penetration and all the variants thereof by the time they are six years old. What could possibly go wrong? Only CNN has the truth. My dear Chizwiz, Chiswiz black magic has been around for hundreds of thousands of years. But its power comes from our ignorance, from the hubris of man, and fear. 
not from the casting ritual. If we all stand up to it and tell it we don't need anything it offers, turn our backs on it, this illusion will deflate faster than a dollar store balloon. On occasion, we just have to say, oh, human race, you are a disgrace for having fallen for this. Now, am I being serious about this being a black magic spell? Yes. I'm not saying there's a coven of evil witches or a wizard somewhere in a dark paneled room with a giant cauldron. But all of this starts with an evil intention and an agreement to delude and defraud the public. And then the machinery for that is put into place. That is casting a spell, a ritual. And I can assure you, and you don't have to take my word for it, but this is my line of work. It is black magic. At its core, people are sacrificed and their blood used for these rituals. And it's all going to start coming out now, if you all pay attention. So, yes. And I thank you, almighty cheese whiz mage from Madison, Wisconsin, for that question. Because it gave me an opportunity to pontificate. And I always enjoy that. All right. Let's have a little sip of my drinky poo poo. Mm. <clears throat> it's quite nice. Let's take another question from the fishbowl of perpetual perplexity. This is from Phil in San Diego, who asks, Arnie, if a person is new to the concept of Wicca, is it best to join a coven or to go solo? I am intrigued. I've read some books, but I'm not sure about committing to a group. What do you suggest? Well, Phil, making a choice between solitary or coven. Let's take a look at some pros and cons then. Um, if you join a coven, what are the pros? Well, support, really. You have a team. And if it's a halfway decent coven, um, you will learn from people who are more experienced than you. And if they are good people, you will learn the craft in a very structured way. There's history, lineage of tradition. Um, those are the, those are the pros. The cons, well, you're not your own boss, are you? So you have to meet everyone's expectations. The other thing is commitment, and that's a very practical thing, because some spells and some rituals, they simply cannot be performed unless the entire circle is present. So responsibility, accountability. The other thing, of course, is do they have a dress code or an undress code? Because some covens are sky clad. And that's not a problem because I still believe that the best magic, the, the purest magic is done sky clad, completely naked. Not that I would want to expose my 62 year old naked body to anyone. Um, but you want to check that out before joining a coven. So, yeah, you're going to have to abide by their laws, of course. And if you don't, they can ask you to leave. And if you do join a coven and you don't like them halfway down the road, you can leave and you can go to another, but the other coven is under no obligation to take your training. You might have to start at the beginning with them. So, you know, it's the pros and cons of going with any group, really. When you go solo, you are your own boss and you work at your own pace. And I do like that because I'm self-employed. Um, there's also no initiation and no leveling up. So you make your own rituals. You wear what you want. You do what you want. You have total freedom. And there's no requirement to worship the chosen deities of your coven. And in Wicca, there are many deities. So if you prefer to worship the all, the force, the supreme cosmic intelligence, instead of the Lord and Lady and the coven's favored deities, solo is a better option. The cons... Unless you find other solo witches who, you know, want to hang out with you once in a while, you don't really get any support or guidance. And if you do start hanging out with witches who are in covens, 
I will let you know, um, there's a lot of prejudice. They, not all of them, but they tend to think that they are so much better than solitary witches. So I don't know. Um, Phil, why don't you go solo and then see if you run into your tribe later on? And as always, check your motivation. Because if your motivation, if learning nature magic, which is really what this is, and using your knowledge to help mankind and Earth is your primary motivation, then your tribe will appear. Or perhaps once you consider yourself adept and confident, you might start your own coven. How wonderful would that be? So many people think, well, you know, I don't come from a bloodline. I don't come from an established bloodline. Uh, what do you know? Start your own bloodline. There was all, somewhere in history, there was the first shaman of their tribe. Start your own bloodline. Start your own tribe. Start your own teaching. All right. Um, moving along. Thank you, Phil, for that. Moving along. We have more questions to get through today. OK, let's see. Let's give this a bit of a shake. And this is from um, Abilene, Texas, from Candy, who says, Ani, can you be a witch but not follow Wiccan tradition? Of course. Um, I learned kitchen magic. This is Candy, not me. I learned kitchen magic from my mother and grandmother. My grandmother came from what is now Croatia and brought the old ways with her. She passed down her knowledge of folk medicine, which my family practices to this day. I was not blessed with a daughter, but my younger son has decided to go to culinary school after graduating high school. I have taught him how to use food for healing, but I was not taught to incorporate, to incorporate the Lord and the Lady or other deities. We are Christians, Orthodox, and happy to be so. The Christ consciousness feeds us, and we have no need to look outside. Candy, of course. Of course. And by the way, you have no idea how lucky you are. You have bloodline indigenous knowledge, which you have chosen to honor and make part of your daily practice. Good for you. Every cell in my body honors you for that. And well, I'm sitting here tingling with delight. So witches are nothing more than wise women and wise men of their tribe. Wicca is a new religion a recreation of what people think are the lost arts. It provides an alternative outlet for people who are less than enamored with how mainstream religion is presented. Now, the Lord and the Lady, they are aspects of the feminine and the masculine divine. The minor deities, they put folks in touch with aspects of themselves, but also with the rhythms of nature. And most urban people have lost all connection with the earth they walk upon each day. So learning the elements, it helps folks to orient themselves and pay attention to their senses. I mean, I can guarantee you that if I stop random people in the street today and ask them to point to the north or the south, unless they were standing next to a freeway and thought about it, most would not be able to tell me. So Wicca serves a purpose and I'm all for it. But it is a new way of recreating the old. And what your family has is bloodline knowledge. And that, my darling, is absolutely precious. So I hope your son becomes a great chef and passes this wisdom on to his protégés. As for being Christian, if we follow the true teachings of Emmanuel and not become distracted by the church's manipulation tactics, the world would be a much better place. So hurrah for you and your Christian Orthodox faith and hurrah for your family and God bless you all. Do we have time for one more question? I think we do. Um, let's take one. If, oh, what? yes, here it is. OK, thank you. Um, th I'm thanking myself. This is from Omit Personal Details, who asks. I'm a therapist and have just begun my Wiccan journey. Do you have a spell I can cast before my workday to clear my mind and bless my space? A spell, you ask? Do I have spells? Darling, I have more spells than the Cheesecake Factory has cheesecakes. Um, here's one I wrote for clarity of mind. And feel free to write your own. I'm very big in people putting things in their own words. So, with pure intent 
without just as without let me start again with pure intent without get i'm having some trouble here with this word gestures let me try that again with pure intent without gestures grand may the weight of my words create dry land for those who drown in a sea of pain and grief guide my counsel may it bring relief this i ask for the highest good 1 2 3 so mote it be a very simple spell for clarity that's all we're asking and as for clearing space you should write your own again but here's something very simple golden rain cleanse the space golden wind refresh the space golden light illuminate the space in every interaction divine creator may we see your face so the point i'm trying to make here my dear omit therapist person purity of intent keep it simple and do your own thing and i think that's it for questions answers and comments for today thank you for writing in and keep them coming because otherwise we won't have a show um and what is it time for now i think it's time for tarot a go go a little what the heck with your favorite tarot deck and today's card is the 7 of cups ah oh, the daydream card let's take a look at it and see what wisdom it wishes to share all right well i like this card I like all the cards to be honest but I do like this card. Um so you got a woman in my deck, the Robin Wood deck. And she's staring up at seven cups and there's something different in each of the cups. And she's got this sort of shall I shan't I look on her face. In the upright position, we normally associate this card with uh mild confusion. perhaps a lack of focus is she trying to make up her mind about something but the concentration is poor there's a fair amount of um well i suppose uncertainty is that because she has too many options she can't decide maybe she's just disorganized and a whole mess in her head maybe she's not capable of processing her emotions maybe she's not taking things seriously maybe there's some escapism there hmm this card does come up once in a while by the way when people uh, drink too much or take too many drugs that their the compartments of their minds are um not accessed properly the ideas bleed in from one compartment to the other Hmm. What else am I getting from this? Tough decisions, I guess. Sometimes, you know, because every card, the meaning will vary, and it has one to ten levels. As in, it could be a minor confusion, or it could be telling you that someone's on their way to full-blown dementia. Someone's definitely stuck here. and when you get this card you have to narrow your options you're not thinking straight you're working with too many choices and if you're going to be successful you have to have a more thoughtful and more focused process perhaps your expectations are unreasonable that comes up a lot with this card it's all very dreamy isn't it hmm muddled thinking let's turn it upside down and see what we get from it oh everything fell out of the cups you know but in this case i think that's okay i sort of feel that we've cleared the air i like that yes we're going to make a decision now we're going to take the cups wash them out and now we can see clearly much better yeah interesting so i would take from this that if you've been struggling to see something clearly 
and it's in the upright position, you're still struggling. But if you have turned this card upside down, you've picked this card in the challenged position, it's actually feeling better to me. Yeah, you have narrowed your options and you will come to a decision. Well, wasn't that fun? Yes. Thank you for listening to Tarot A Go Go. Now, my darlings, I've had quite a few letters from people recently asking me why I haven't done any of my silly poetry. And that really does touch me and deeply and warm the cockles of my heart, because I've also had quite a few letters when I did do the poetry writing to me and saying, some of your poetry is the stupidest and silliest poetry I have ever come across. But let me remind you that that is exactly why I write it. I'm not going for a prize here. I'm just sharing the contents of my mind with you after I've had my second martini. So there we go. I'm going to start with lighthearted limericks and terrible poetry. Why I am tripping over my words today, I don't know, because this is the mildest and the least alcoholic cocktail I have ever prepared on this show. And maybe that's the problem. I don't know. But here we go with a little bit of poetry from my upcoming book, Really Bad, Bad Poetry. And the first one is called Woeful Ode to a Pumpkin. Here we go. Oh, large orange blob, tasteless with stringy texture. Why people eat you is well beyond conjecture. One mouthful of your flesh produces noxious gases. A culinary prankster has deceived the hungry masses. If ever comes a time when only you as food exists, I will tell you here and now, I will be quite royally pissed. I do love looking at pumpkins, but if I eat them, it's a nightmare for my digestive system. Here's another little one I found. I think I wrote this when I was in a very dark and strange mood. I carved the pumpkin. It hissed as it was pierced. I cowered at my creation, trembling like a strung out munchkin. The pumpkin punctured and perforated. It was fierce. A candle lit, placed inside, soul of squash illuminated. Was my fate sealed? I held my breath and waited. And because I know you're enjoying this so much, I am going to reread the poem I wrote last Halloween. I do love All Hallows' Eve. I love the entire, this is not the poem, this is just me talking. I love the whole season, not as much as I love Christmas. I just adore Christmas. But I have a problem with the commercialism of Halloween, not just because it's commercialism. I have a problem with these horrible figures they put in shops monsters, ghouls, and just dreadful, uh, personifying witches as demon-loving things. I have many problems with it. Number one is it teaches children to be afraid of things that are on the other side, and that's going to squash their enthusiasm for exploring consciousness, exploring interdimensional adventures. And the other part of it is, is all this sugar it's like crack for children. It's like crack for adults, actually. I think we really need to reinvent what we do during All Hallows' Eve. It's not about monsters. It's about a time of year where the veil is supposed to be thin and we honor the continuity of life. We honor our ancestors. We honor the fall harvest. We need to approach this a different way. And Maybe on the other side of this schmovid bullshit, when society inevitably collapses, thank God, and we rebuild on a more fair, equitable and golden model, we can review how we teach our children about these cycles of nature. So I will now read for you the horror of Halloween. Here we go. The countdown begins to Halloween 
children with too much candy in their pockets. A commercial frenzy best not seen as candy makers' bottom lines skyrocket. What's the problem, they ask? It's just a bit of fun. We chase the kids dressed as monsters and tease them when they cry and run. The problem, friend, if I may dare to enlighten, is that children do not feel safe when they are teased and frightened. The faces of those monsters will reappear in their dreams, and what should be a peaceful sleep is now a nightmare filled with sugar and screams. All that candy belongs in the dumpster, so please don't mess with your children's heads, because far too many broken youngsters already roam this earth as the walking dead. Well, that was depressing, but thank you for indulging me. And I hope you all have a very safe and happy Halloween season. Um, and, you know, just protect your kids, please. All right. What do we have next? We do have some time left. So I think it's time for weird and wacky tidbits from the anus of history. And perhaps since it's the end of October, we will have it with an emphasis on witchery and spooky stuff. Right, what do we associate with Halloween? Black cats, because they're associated with witches. And why is that? Well, I'll give you three guesses. My least favorite group on the entire world, the Puritan Christians. Boo, boo. They believed that witches could turn into black cats. They did. They thought that witches could turn into black cats at a moment's notice to avoid death. And they think that this is true because somebody swears up and down that, and I quote, while being sentenced to death, a German witch is said to have cackled at the judge, spat threats at the priest, and cursed her executioner. And as the story goes, she was dragged from the court and tied to a stake for burning. And as the flames rose around her, there was a flash of light and a black cat leapt from the flames and ran through the astonished crowd. I'm not saying that people can't transmog. They can. I can't. But there are people that can do that. But this is such a lot of BS. Puritans, we ate some, we does, my precious. We ate some with a vengeance. Did you know that the last time someone was convicted of witchcraft was 1944? And this will be in the UK. And they didn't repeal the Witchcraft and Occult Act or whatever it was until 1951, I believe. So the last time someone was convicted of witchcraft was 1944. And there's one Jane Rebecca York, who was a medium or some say pseudo medium in East London. And she claimed that she could talk to people's relatives on the other side who died in the war. Maybe she could, maybe she wouldn't. I mean, that's what mediums do. But she was tried for taking advantage of people's wartime grief. But there's no law against that. So they convicted her under the Witchcraft Act, which was a law that was passed in 1735. But in 1944, they didn't burn her at the stake. In fact, hardly anybody was actually burnt at the stake. Hanging was more common. She was fined five pounds, though. And in 1944, oh, my God, that was a lot of money. All right, what else, what other little tidbit do we have? April 23rd, 2017, a lady called Nicola Nuttall, back in the UK where all the kooks come from, um, she ran a London marathon. Well, how exciting is that? Well, I'll tell you why it was exciting. <laughs> because she did the whole thing dressed as a witch. And she crossed the finish line three hours, 26 minutes, 13 seconds, which is not a world record, but she did set the world record for the fastest marathon run by a woman dressed as a witch. Isn't that interesting? So I suppose I'm not very good at running, but if I wanted to say dress up as a bumblebee and run a marathon, it wouldn't take, I mean, it might take 48 hours to run a marathon, but I could set a world record for being the first person dressed as a bumblebee 
to run that marathon. You know, we've all got to put our 15 minutes of fame in, don't we? What else do we know? Ah, yes. The 15th century was not a good time for free thinkers. Um, witchcraft was a grave concern to people. Um, and thanks to this book, many books actually were written in the 15th century about witches. But the famous one is Malleus Maleficarum, which is basically the de facto handbook on how to deal with witchcraft and witches. And this book, it really inflamed the already hysterical viewpoint about witches there. Um, you know, Europeans were obsessed with witch hunting well into the 18th century, really. And two people wrote this book, two clergymen, may peace never be upon their names, two clergymen of the Dominican order, one Jakob Sprenger, who was the dean of the University of Cologne, and Heinrich Kramer, who was a theology professor at the University of Salzburg. And they took this one line out of Exodus. Um, I used to know all the verses off by heart. Uh, I think it's Exodus 22:18. Thou shalt not permit a sorceress to live. They took that, and that was their entire basis for this book. Now, 1484, we have Pope, not very innocent, the eighth, who issued a papal bull, papal bull being the Christian equivalent of some sort of fatwa, and he titled this papal bull Sumis Desiderantes Affectibus, which means I really want this to happen or perhaps a better translation would be desiring with supreme ardor. Um, he did, this papal bull basically recognized witches and said, and I quote, many persons of both sexes, heedless of their own salvation and forsaking the Catholic faith, give themselves over to devils, male and female, and that they may afflict and torture with dire pains and anguish, both internal and external, these men, women, cattle, flocks, herds, animals, and hinder men from begetting, and women from conceiving, and pretend and prevent all consummation of marriage, that moreover they deny with sacrilegious lips the faith they received in holy baptism, and that at the instigation of the enemy of mankind, they do not fear to commit and perpetrate many other abominable offenses and crimes at the risk of their own souls, to the insult of the divine majesty and to the pernicious example and scandal of multitudes, which basically gave Kramer and Sprenger, the people who wrote Malleus Maleficarum, the authority to begin what was the Inquisition. And we all know all about the Inquisition. Very bad time for free thinkers. What else do we know? Oh, yes. One little tidbit, there's a fear of Halloween. There are people who suffer from a condition known as soenophobia, Halloween being soen. Soenophobia, so if you're terrified of Halloween, you are soenophobic. And did you know that Halloween candy sales average about $2 billion annually in the United States? Only Christmas sells more candy and, you know, edible stuff than Halloween. Well, that was it for Wide and Wacky Tidbits. And oh my gosh, look at the time, how it flies. My darlings, I think that's it for today. I have finished my drink and that always means the end of the show. I hope you enjoyed listening in because if you didn't, you were bored. But I enjoyed it. So that's really all that matters. Today's real life cocktail was a witch's brew. Two parts apricot nectar, half a part fresh lemon juice, half a part fresh lime juice, half a part fresh orange juice. Now, you mix all this together and you freeze it overnight into little ice cubes. And then the next morning, you put it into a highball and you pour really good champagne over the top and you drink it and it's refreshing. And if you use good champagne, I am using Paul Roger Reserve Brut Champagne today. And if you take care with your presentation, it is actually a very sophisticated libation. Now, remember, folks, cocktails are great if they are an occasional treat. If you use top quality ingredients and take the art of mixology seriously, one drink is all you need. I'm Ani Mad Sharman Abadissian. This was Metaphysical Martini, a production of Cosmic Reality Radio, to whom we are most grateful.
Until we meet again, stand up to the man, destroy deep state, and let the spirit inhabit the human. You have been listening to The Metaphysical Martini with Ani Alphadesian, The Mad Shaman, a production of CosmicReality.com. 